Get ready, get ready for this piping hot tea. Get ready, get ready for a tea time and filter with your girl loving tea. Spilling all this hot tea on this podcast street. So get ready, get ready for this piping hot tea. From tea time and filter with your girl loving tea. Hey, Tea Sippers. I hope you guys are doing good today. Welcome to another episode of Tea Time Unfiltered with your girl, Lovely Tea. And I have my homegirl, Emily, in the building. Hey, everyone. So once again, it seems like every time me and Emily get ready to do a podcast, I don't know if this is going to start being tradition or what. Yeah, it seems like it. (laughs) Right. First, we had Dick Cannon a few weeks ago. You know what I'm saying? His news leaked. Then, like the the second time we did the podcast recently, we had Soldier Boy, a big Draco, a big Draco, honey. And then tonight, <laughs> I'm minding my own business, okay? Walking through the streets of Twitter, and bam, I get hit with Nelly's pin. Nelly done posted a, a damn video. They claim it was an accident. I don't know, but he done posted a video of him getting hit, and the comments are tearing him up. So the comments are tearing him up. They're saying everything from Nelly has a little Peter Weeder. Uh oh, not little. Packing. They're saying that they understand why Shanti left and never looked back. Unlike, <laughs> unlike her video, Foolish, where she came back. Um, they are going in. People are saying that the girl's giving some dry head, you know, needs to be sloppy top. I mean, all these professional peen suckers on Twitter, honey. I was I mean, the video. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, maybe I'm just not a professional. It didn't, I, I didn't watch it that long, honestly, because I didn't know who it was. Now I kind of want to go back and watch it again. But um, it didn't look like it was that bad. Like, it wasn't like no shade, but like, you know, Black China, like that whole thing where it was oh, like, no. oh, that's bad. Like, it wasn't that bad, but I didn't know it was Nelly either. Right. But it's just funny. Like, everybody's like, his pain is so small. I it didn't look like huge. it. And it's like, damn, how big do y'all want it, bitch? <laughs> well, I guess they've all gotten so used to the the Nick Cannon and the Soldier Boy and all that. So now they just expect to get like slapped in the face. But it looked, I don't know, it didn't look that bad to me, but I, I, I didn't watch it, it that long. Average. It looked yeah. average to me. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It didn't look super tiny. <laughs> but people were like literally disgusted, like, oh, it's so small. How do you feel this? Man, Twitter will fuck up someone's self-esteem so fast. <laughs> like, that is so wrong. Yeah, they said he ran to delete it, but, you know, by then it was too late. Oh, too late. Twitter. They yeah, are dragging his little Peter Weeder, honey, and the bad hit job. I don't see anything wrong with either besides the fact that he posted it. Don't know why he posted it, but um, it wasn't given what he thought it was going to give because they're roasting him currently. Yeah, I don't believe that was an accident for one. I believe that he meant to do that on purpose because, I mean, he obviously everyone can see look what happened with Nick Cannon. Which, he was trying to trend more than likely. I don't know for sure, but that, that just that would seem more reasonable than just posting that on accident. Um, but I, I don't know. You see some crazy shit on Twitter also at the same time. So. That's very true. But yeah, I, looked, I believe it was on purpose. These folks do anything for attention, honey. Yeah, so, and it looked normal. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe exactly. it's just me, but I didn't, I, when I saw that, I didn't think, oh, what a little day. That wasn't the first thing that came to my mind, but whatever. <laughs> to each its own. Right. You know, some people like King Kong Long Dongs. You know what I'm saying? To each yeah, its but- own. All these people who got these opinions too, like, okay, well, you do a better job or let, you know, let's see what you got. You know, (laughs) people Mm -hmm. really do the most, especially on Twitter. Twitter's crazy. 
You know, everybody on Twitter is beautiful like Beyonce. They all fuck like porn stars. Look at that. <laughs> that, that's what that's everybody's <laughs> MO on Twitter. If you can really see me, I look like Beyonce. Okay. All right. Yeah. Man. Yeah, but then they're like profile picture. I don't know. I actually don't have Twitter, but I mean, I've seen like their profile picture will be like, you know, a cartoon or something. Right. But they all swear behind the profile. They're, you know, they're that guy or girl child. Yeah. So I can anyways, so we are here to talk about, oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about, but we just had to hit on the Nelly topic first, but I just thought it was funny because every time. Yeah, we it's tradition know, at this point. <laughs> at this point. So I wonder next time we do a podcast, who's peeing, we'll see. We'll just have who's to next? Who's next? <laughs> <laughs> so we are here to talk about euphoria honey okay mm. so first let me tell you how i got hooked on euphoria y'all know i've been out you know healing from surgery so i've been binge watching a lot of shows everything from one of my favorite shows is siren i really love the mermaid show i was saying about love it yeah yeah so binge watch that binge watch some of handmaiden's tale just been watching a lot of stuff so a lot of the young kids kept telling me like on Discord and Rejoice was saying, you need to watch Euphoria, you need to watch Euphoria. And so I finally said, okay, fine, let me go ahead and get into Euphoria. And I started watching season one um, about a week and a half ago. I binge watched the whole thing that week and I was blown away. And come to find out my kids watch Euphoria, my youngest son watches Euphoria. And I'm just like, what in the world is going on? I've never seen nothing like this. Um, on television, just how real and almost too raw it is. Uh Um, So that was the first season. I mean, totally just blew me away with just everything, just the different characters, the fact that they had a backstory. I really love that. Um, Even characters like Kat Hernandez, the one who plays the plus size girl who lost her virginity, uh-huh. And literally, like, just turned into a whore. But one thing I <laughs> love about Kat is that she's not your stereotypical fat friend. You notice that? No, yeah, I love Kat, and um, I love how there's, like, representation there, which mm-hmm. I will say sometimes when they add, like, plus-size people in, which, no, she's not your stereotypical, but Kat's also, like, she's got a shape. She's real pretty. Like, she's mm-hmm. not – I like how they added her in, but also and sometimes – like, right. it's a, like the whole friend group is pretty and they're still willing to hang out with the plus size girl, which is, that's how it is in real life. Like even in my clique, when I was younger, there was always like the, you know, a plus size girl in our clique. We didn't give a shit. If she was cool and funny, we hung with her. And that's yeah. really what it is in real life. Everybody's not a, you know, five foot 10 supermodel. Right. And she's also very smart. She's very articulate. Like she's got a really cool personality. So I love that character. Yeah, I mean, I, I do worry for her because it's like once she lost her virginity, honey, she just went damn crazy. You I said, fuck that, ass wild. That won't stop just fucking random men and giving head and cars. But the part <laughs> that tripped me out when um when her friend caught her. Remember when they were going through the breakup, Nate and Maddie, and yeah. she called her and she's like, you know, I need you right now. I need you to come, you know, meet up with me. And she was just like, no, I'm busy doing something. And she ends up hanging up and she starts giving that guy head in the car. And I'm like, wow, that was kind of, even though, you know, as a parent, I'm like, you know, disturbed, you know, the parent part of me is like, really? You don't even know this man. You're giving him head in the car. You know what I mean? Own ass man. But then the other side of me was like, I love the idea that the fat girl, you know, the plus size girl, whatever you want to call her, that she's so non-stereotypical. I love the fact that they made her say, you know what? I'm busy doing something else. I'm about to give some head and do me. Because usually 
when they have the quote unquote fat best friend in like TV shows, she's either the comic relief or she's the one to drop everything because in a way she's supposed to feel so grateful that somebody like Maddie would even accept her into the friend group. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the sidekick. Right. Like I should come running to her beck and call just for the fact that I'm even a part of this group. And she was like, uh, no, I'll talk no, to you later, I- Maddie. I'm about to get yeah. you something. And I don't know, maybe what I got from that was that I feel like Maddie probably is always calling her like, oh, I need this. I need that. And she's like, bitch, I ain't got time for that. I got my own shit going on right now. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I just I just thought her character was well developed in the first season. We haven't seen too much of her in the second season. I mean, she's in and out, but she hasn't really had a lot of screen time like she did in those episodes in the first season. So I just wanted to hit on Kat real quick. So moving on. This is the episode that has everybody on social media straight up bugging. So episode five dropped two days ago. So this was this past Sunday. And episode five was called Stand Still Like a Hummingbird. You wish I was different? So do I. You fucking hate me? So do I. I raised you and you do not fucking scare me. This was a the one of the craziest episodes I've ever seen on television. I was blown away by Rue's, aka Zendaya, her acting ability. Yeah, she was acting her ass off. Because with me, of someone who's like literally, like I when I'm seeing that, it's it literally felt like I was reliving my past because I, you know literally went through the same shit and I'm like Mm -hmm. she's not an addict as far as we you know she's not a drug addict and the way that she was able to act like when you're in withdrawal just the anger and the venom you spit out and just the the way that she was acting with the withdrawals and stuff like she was really like that is for real legit what Mm -hmm. it is like in real life and she portrayed that like perfectly like she needs an award for that performance yeah, she better get an Emmy at this point because oh, yeah. even watching her switch between rage and sadness, it, it was affecting me and triggering me emotionally for many different reasons. We'll get into that. But watching her snapping on her mother and saying, F you and where are the drugs? And then, you know, where's the suitcase and cussing out her sister and just going crazy. There's parts where you're angry at Rue. Like as a mother's standpoint, I want to beat her ass. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But then there's that part where then she pulls out that sadness and you feel bad for her. And you remember, one, she's somebody's child. Two, she's playing a 16-year-old who's going through a a chemical withdrawal. And the fact that she's able to just go in and out of that, like the rage in her eyes. There were certain points where I looked at her and I was scared. So you knew when the mother says, I'm your mother, you don't scare me. It's almost like she had to reiterate that to herself as her mother because she was scared of her because I was scared for her. Yeah, when she kicked that damn door down, like she wasn't playing, right. and it, 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 like you said, the emotions, and then the the mother who was acting, like everybody in that scene, it was just so amazing. Like they all did such an amazing job, but Zendaya, like she just portrayed that role perfectly. And like you said, when she went from angry to sad, and like it, it's it's like you're really watching someone go through that, and you forget that this is like a script, and she's acting this out. Mm-hmm. Because I know one of the things I asked you was, was it triggering for you when you watched it? Because like I said, certain parts were triggering for me. But oh, yeah, more, definitely. 
Yeah, like when we left off episode four, we see her put the fentanyl patch in her mouth. You know, she's like sucking on a fentanyl patch. And that kind of triggered me just for the fact as somebody who needs pain meds, you know what I'm saying, who is dealing with a chronic illness, it triggers me when I see people doing recreational drugs who don't need it, but then they're addicted. So then technically they do because they're addicted to it now. It, It still bothers me a lot, you know, because there's so many people out here who live in pain and if they could choose to be healthy and not have to use the pain meds, they would switch places. So when you see somebody physically sucking on a fentanyl patch, that really like bothered me at the end of episode four. And then when she went through her whole withdrawals, it made me have sympathy for her, you know, because addiction is addiction, regardless yeah. of you a doctor's script, because you have a chronic illness or, you know, you got into a car accident or you're doing it recreationally. Once it gets out of control, it's the same path. Yeah, and it was such an accurate representation, like the way that, like I said, with with the yawns and the watery eyes, and and you mm-hmm. and I had had a conversation about this. I was like, you know, when there, you know, the, all the the glorification and stuff, and I was like, you know, I haven't seen anybody go through withdrawals yet. That's the only problem I have with this show is I have not Nobody's seen. They're doing. That. They're they're doing a lot of drug use, and I have not seen any withdrawals yet. I have not seen anybody, you know, like getting pimped out or anything. I haven't seen any of the real, real darkness. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll be damned the next episode. So, uh, it, and it was such a spot on representation, at least for what I've been through personally. Because when you see a lot of people in TV or in movies and stuff going through withdrawals, you know, usually it'll show them sweating or throwing up and stuff, but it, it doesn't show the the little things that people who's went through it know, mm-hmm. like the yawns and the watery eyes. And some people sneeze or like the leg cramps and like she, they really got into it. So mm-hmm. it was definitely, it was definitely triggering for me to, to see her cause she did such a good job. Cause remember I even called you and I was like, <laughs> okay, you know, because withdrawal is different for different people, you know, especially yeah. when you're doing it recreationally, because at that point you have no control. You're just taking whatever, mixing drugs, all types of shit. Mm-hmm. So with that, I remember I called and I was like, what was going on with her legs? Because that was something that was bothering me because I kept noticing it's like she had this limp. She was almost walking and running with like this constant limp. And I said, well, was it from her kicking the door? Like, what's up with her leg? And you was like, no, that's like muscle cramps that happen. That's part of withdrawal. So the fact that they even put that into it is amazing. Like they really took the physical elements of what you go through during withdrawal, you know, like the constant diarrhea, um, her going uh-huh. from house to house, trying to use the bathroom, the, the constant stomach cramps. Like she really embodied that. I'm like, I don't know what type of Ezel crackhead superpowers that, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. But when I yeah. she embodied a damn dope thing, crackhead, yes. whatever you want to call it. She really embodied that and it showed people the other side. So I can yeah. respect the writing is as disturbing as it was. That's fucking reality. Yes, that is. And the way that, like I said, they're always getting high and it's showing, oh, they're, you know, having fun and they're, you know, they're numbing themselves and all that. It's so important to me to show like, no, this is really what happens. And especially when you're dealing with opiate abuse, mm-hmm. um, you're, a lot of people, you know, I'm, I'm just speaking on me personally, but a lot of times you're sick more than you're high. 
So that what she's going through, the physical aspect of it, when you really get into it like that, when you're really deep into opiate addiction, that's a very common thing that I know back when I was using, I went through that probably two, three times a week. And then also the way that she portrayed like just the screaming and the yelling it because you're so irritable, you're so angry, like you literally will shoot venom, you will be manipulative, you'll do whatever you got to do because you're in hell, you feel so fucking horrible that you, I, it, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's like you're so angry at everybody. You mm -hmm. just want to not feel like that. Remember when she says, you hate me, mom? I hate myself, too. Like, I was like, whoo. Yeah, I know. That made that me teary-eyed. <laughs> yeah, that it was. was. Because she knew, because the, the good part of Rue is still in there somewhere. Yeah. You know, with all this stuff that's going on with her, she knows what she's doing is wrong, but it's like she can't control it. You know, and that's why some people say, like, you know, once you get that drug, it's like a demon in you. Yeah, like, it is. It is. Control it. It's almost like, I, I swear, like, I know a lot of people think like the exorcist and shit like that. But it's really like you get possessed because it's like your spirit and your soul gets so numb down from the dope. Mm -hmm. And when when you don't have it, like, obviously, I know, like, the science behind it and the, you know, which they even talked about in the show, which I thought was really cool. But, you know, it, it literally is like, like I said, like, you're possessed, like a damn demon is coming out and it wants what it wants. And it, the, there might be good in you, but it is so numbed down. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely is. And, you know, that part was just so it was shown so accurately, you know, for me is what just really blew me away. And just the fact like she's very disheveled. She looks dirty. She looks unkempt, you know, from when yeah. we first seen her first season. I mean, she was she's not a styler like some of the other girls on the show. But you can see like just how much she's just deteriorated. And yeah. it's also very interesting. The part when they showed the manipulation. Yeah. Oh, yes. That yes. Was <laughs> that was showed like, you know, because it shows you the mind of a drug addict, how they will gaslight you and make you feel like you're in the wrong for even questioning them about their antics and the shit that they're doing. But for them, the, the, the ends justify the means and they'll gaslight you so bad to the point where you feel bad and guilty for even questioning their sobriety and the whole time they're getting high. So today's show sponsor is HelloFresh. The new year is a great time to focus on what's important to you. And one of the things that's important to me in 2022 is definitely trying to save some money. If you guys do not know, HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week. Everything from veggie to calorie smart to family friendly, even gourmet options. But if y'all do not know, they are now also offering dessert, honey. So if you want to satisfy that sweet tooth of yours, make sure you hit them up. One thing I've always appreciated about HelloFresh is the flexibility to be able to order on their website and everything gets here in a timely fashion. From the time you open it to the time you start preparing, it does not take long. Your meal will be cooked in 30 minutes or less. And not only does it smell good, honey, not only does it look good, but it tastes phenomenal. So to check out HelloFresh, make sure you guys go on to HelloFresh.com slash SipSlow16. Make sure you use the code SipSlow16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. So make sure to go and check out HelloFresh because after all, they are America's number one meal kit. Yeah, the way she went off on her sister and she's like, you fucking told her and like was going off on her and making her feel bad as if she was doing something wrong. When in 
reality, she didn't. And then the previous, ep- well, I don't know if it was the episode, the one where she, you know, had her little uh, flash thingy, or she had yeah, her little presentation. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, like I, when I first saw that, like a part of me was like kind of appalled. Like I'm, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you're literally telling people how to relapse and get away with it. But then the other side of me was like, you know, for people who have loved ones that are going through this, that this is signs that they can pick up on. And it, mm. it really, another thing about everything she's going through is it's showing how it's affecting the families. A lot of people who have loved ones that are going through addiction, they need counseling all on their own. I forgot what it's called, but they have like programs set up for them specifically because they are going through trauma on their own, just dealing with someone. So for people who don't know or don't have those resources, at least it's like, hey, if someone's gaslighting you, you you can see like this is what they're doing here. They're making you feel guilty when you shouldn't. Right. Yeah. I've I've never personally had to deal with, you know, that type of behavior, like in my household, like even growing up or even in my household now. So I could not imagine, you know, the toll it would take on a family to deal with somebody with those type of issues. You know, it's one thing when you're dealing with somebody with a medical issue or bipolarism, but then when they add drugs on top of that and the raging and, you know, the way she was just going at her mom and Gia. And then when she hit Gia and then her mom slapped her and then she just broke the door and started just throwing stuff around the room. Like that is what, that is what living in chaos embodies. But there's so many people I know who deal with shit like that in their household. So that's really good that you brought up the fact that, you know, a lot of times these family members need counseling because something like that will cause you to hate your family member. Yeah, well, I think it's may I could be wrong. I think it's called Al-Anon or it's something like that. But I, when I was younger, like I gave my family hell, like my mom, dad and brother, I gave them hell because I was like, it, it was very, very similar situation to like how Rue was acting. And it was like, damn, I got to still get up and go to work. And, you know, she's going crazy. And it's, you know, you want, you love them and you want them to do better. And you're just like, you see her mom, like she, she wants her to be better. And it's like, what can I do? Like, she's literally chasing her through traffic, like just chasing mm-hmm. her everywhere, trying to find her. And then you see at the end of the episode, I guess she just went home and just set up and waited for her. But like, they're going through hell too. It's just like a different kind of form. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Now let's go ahead and talk about the friends. So my issue is, so now they're going back and forth. Rue's looking for her drugs because for y'all who don't know, she had gotten spotted $10,000 worth of dope pills, all that shit in a suitcase from Lori, the female, you know, connect. And so the mom, they've done something with the suitcase. We want to know where is the suitcase. She's asking her mom, mom, where's the suitcase? And basically, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you hear Jules in the background, who's, you know, her friend slash lover, say we flushed it. We flushed the suitcase. And then she realized that Jules and Elliot are in the house. And she goes, and even that scene with Jules, when she flipped on her, was like, you're just a vampire. You just love the idea of being loved. Like, she went in on her. Yeah. I had an issue with Jules and Elliot. I th- me Elliot too. Me, he's the newcomer. I don't trust his ass as far as I can throw him. Okay? Yeah, and I, 
I think when uh, Rue called him a snake and smacked him across the face, the majority of the night, like throughout the episode, I felt kind of bad for all the venom she was spit. But in that instance, I was like, no, she's spot on. He's a snake. I don't trust him. There's something about him. I, I, I don't feel I ain't feeling. Yeah, I just didn't like the whole I'm going to come tell your girlfriend or whatever you want to call Jules that I also smashed. Remember, him and Jules hooked up. Uh-huh. So I'm going to tell her everything and then we're going to go tell your mom. And I just thought it was really shitty because he's a drug addict, too. Yeah. They met each other in the laundry room at the party and he was doing lines himself. So it's like, wow, you care about me? Well, you're one overdose away. <laughs> like, you know, you, anytime we see you, you're smoking something or popping something or snorting something. So who are you to judge me? And my thing is. With Jules, that kind of bothered me that she ran to go tell the mom. And I just, I can't take it seriously because first and foremost, it's a whole suitcase full of drugs. When I understand flushing personal use, like, okay, you find a bottle of pills, you flush it. So you mean to tell me the mother and all these people have no idea. They don't know the difference between a big suitcase full of drugs. She can't use all those drugs in one sitting. So obviously she's selling it. Obviously there's something, this is $10,000 worth of drugs. I refuse to believe that they flushed it. Yeah, I, I don't think Elliot did something or, or he has that suitcase. That's how I feel. Yeah, I well, I was kind of side eyeing Elliot ever since that episode where like she was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And then he's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And that little line was there and he blew it. Like, first of all, ain't no like real drug addict. Ain't no junkie about to do nothing like that. Like, they're not just going to blow dope away. So that kind of made me side-eye him. Like, what is he really doing? And then back to your point, yeah, n- no way. I think because whenever she was like, where is it? And then you just hear Jewel say, we flushed it. Like, first yeah. of all, you know how damn long that would take? And it wasn't just pills. Like, their their drain would have been backed up at that point. But also, <laughs> like, they that was a lot of shit in there. Like, right. $10,000 worth of dope ain't cheap. First and like, that's a lot of dope. Right. Um, but I feel like she just said that to, I don't know, maybe make her think that it was gone. But, yeah, there, I, I have a hard time. There's no way. No way. And he was kind of, whenever they drove off, he was just kind of outside and motionless, smoking. Like, right. I don't know, that that gave me some weird vibes, too. So I want to know where the suitcase is because I don't believe it's down the toilet. Yeah, I, I think I get a real manipulative vibe from him. Like, he's trying to act like he's just, like, this new, cool, chill guy. But the fact that he'll lay up with jewels and kind of kiki and talk, you know, not really shit, but, you know, talk about um, Rue and then they would rue and act innocent. I just, I really don't trust him. I just get like a really weird manipulative vibe from him. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, with the whole Jewel situation, I feel like if that was supposed to be her friend, you go about it a different way first. Because I think, I think Rue eventually would have been honest to Jules about her stupid plan, as silly as it is. I don't even think that Rue even really intended to sell those drugs to like classmates. For her, because she's an addict and her mind is so messed up right now, it's just the ends to be able to get high. I don't even think he'd be a good drug dealer. Yeah, oh, absolutely not. Oh, my God. Hell no. But uh, also, even with that, though, I, I was wondering that, too. Like, did she ever intend on, like, trying to get her? Because I, I just don't see certain characters like Lexi or um, 
uh, uh, Cat, I, I don't see them, you know, I mean, I know Cat was doing some cam stuff, but I, I just don't see them selling drugs and risking their lives like that, like, and, mm-hmm. and their, their, their future like that. So I don't even know if that was a, a real plan or it was just something she was going to pitch. Like if, she, if Rue's whole intention was, all right, I'm just going to take or I'm going to take the suitcase and not pay them. Like, I don't know what the plan was with that, but, um, I don't know. I know she told the plan to Elliot. So clearly he had to know that she ended up, that plan went through. So why would he let them flush it? And also when he was around Jules, I noticed kind of like how he was like, oh yeah, you know, you're really cool and you're pretty and you're artsy and all this. And then he's like, you know, you have a Kurt Cobain haircut. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, but I'm sure Ruse told you all that. Like, you know, you know what you're doing. Like he knows right. what he's doing. Right. He definitely does. You know, and what I find really interesting is, okay, so they finally leave the house. They're trying to drive her, you know, to rehab and all that stuff. And she jumps out the car and, you know, once again, Gia's crying. Gia just stays crying. <laughs> Poor Gia. Poor Gia. The girl is just abused emotionally because every scene she's crying. And she's screaming for her mom to go and get Rue as if her mom could drive through traffic to go grab her. So Rue runs yeah. out. I felt, you know, the police chase was a bit extra for me. I yeah. thought it went on way too long. First and foremost, it's not like they caught her red-handed with the jewels. So because she threw up, y'all needed to chase her. It just went on too long. And, and I felt like it was very far-fetched because if you think about it, she's going through withdrawals. She's literally needing to use the restroom like every 10 minutes. Her stomach is cramping. Her leg is cramping. But somehow she's able to do all these crazy jumps and tucks and rolls and running over fences and climbing over, you know, dogs and, you know, falling into glass. She did all that. I mean, that chase went on for at least 30 minutes. Yeah, it it was pretty intense. Like, Can y'all just let her go? It was like Spider-Man. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it was crazy and I, I was wondering that because I was I didn't understand the purpose I'm like why are they like chasing her because she threw up like I mean I guess if you run that gives them a reason to want to chase you but come like after they fell into a bed of cactuses like or cacti excuse me <laughs> like that 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 would be the end of it like she's a 16 year old girl yeah, it just got to be a bit much. And let's not forget earlier in the show, remember she was huffing and puffing on a bike. She couldn't even catch it with Jules. Oh, yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. So you want me to believe that all of a sudden she got these crackhead superpowers and she's just <laughs> able to outrun LAPD? Like, get the hell out of here. That was a bit where, where are they? Does anybody know where they're at? Like, what city? I believe they're in Los Angeles, but I could be wrong. Okay, I was just curious because I'm like, are they... They're in, I guess, like a small town, but then it doesn't really look suburban because they have these huge, which I mean, there are malls in the suburbs, but it just seems a lot bigger, but it like, it gives I small town like vibes. In, probably like in the, I get vibes that they're in the valley of Los Angeles, okay. like the valley area. That's the vibes I get, but you know, it just depends. But I get like valley vibes from most of the girls and things like that. Well, if they're out in LA or on any major city, I just, I know me where I live, no police are about to waste that much time chasing a 16 year old girl when there's not like an active shooter or like an Amber alert or something like that. Like they need to spend their resources doing like, there's real shit going on out here, you know? So yeah. I, I agree with you. That was a, a little bit much. Yeah. So after the police chase, Rue then runs to, um, 
her quote unquote one of her best friends Fezco's house. Now this is the second time she's gone to Fez's house. The first time she went, nobody was home. So she ends up there later on that night and Fez has become like a fan favorite. I remember you asked me the other day, like, who do I, you know, who do I have any real connection to on that show? And I do like Lexi. Um, but I think for me, I probably have more of a connection to Fez. Like yeah. I think for me, Fez, he's, he's my favorite too. Lion body. Everybody loves Fez. Like him, I, well, him and Ashtray and Lexi are all my favorite. Like mm-hmm. and Rue. Well, I, I, but yeah, I, I love Fez. I I have not met one person who doesn't like that character. He's just so sweet. He's got such a good heart. You know, everybody loves him. They well, like his story. Thanks to him. And that's what I like because, you know, so many times when people portray the drug dealer, it's always like, you know, the 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 crazy gun toe in, you know, um, tough guy. And he's just like your average white kid, you know, raised probably in the hood somewhere. And then he has ties to the, you know, the kids in the valley, whatever. He had kind of a tough life. His grandmother raised him and things like that. And he is who he is. He's a drug dealer with the heart. And a lot of times you don't see that portrayed because they usually always show the drug dealers cunning and calculated and they don't care about your well-being. Even in the first season when when Drew was going through when Rue was going through withdrawals and she came banging on the door wanting some, you know, pills. And he told her no. And she was cussing him out like, you got me addicted. How did? And he was like, no, Rue, I'm not I'm not giving you anything. You know what I'm saying? Because she was and she had relapsed. That's a lot for a drug dealer to do, too. Like, yeah, that's not care. That, yeah, that, I mean, that is their business. Their business is selling drugs. So mm-hmm. for him, he's a hustler with a heart of gold. You know, like it, for him. But then he like, also has that tough guy side, like when he beat the hell out of Nate. Oh, he'll he'll get it started. And, and I love it. Changed. I love that part because it's like he went from being just so cool and sweet talking to Lexi on the couch. And then I could just tell by his disposition, like his demeanor, like, yeah, he's about to pop off. Like yeah, he wasn't playing. Yeah, he's a silent killer. He's about to pop off and whoop the shit out of Nate. Which was well deserved. I think everybody loved that. I know I personally loved that episode. And I love Ashtray too. Like he now Ashtray's a little bit more crazy. Um, but like the way you were talking about certain like mouse, how he was portrayed, that's how most people portray a drug dealer. It was someone mean, evil, um, real sinister energy. And then mm-hmm. even kind of like Lori, but with Fez, there's, I guess you have more of a backstory and I don't know, he just seems to have, uh, integrity, I guess. Yeah. In a way, you yeah, know, in a way. Like, nobody's really judging him. He's just a guy that the kids can go to and, you know, cop pills and, and it's very funny. And I, and I kind of do like the fact that they use the white dude as the drug dealer. Because I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, they could have used, you know, McKay and had the football kid, you know, selling drugs on the side. But the reason why I say that is that I knew quite a few white boys who was selling shit back in the day from weed to all types of shit. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, they were able to get away with it because people didn't suspect them. Their yep. white skin gave them anonymity to kind of move. Like, I know guys who, like, you know, started their whole careers in LA, you know, as cameramen because they sold drugs on campus. Like that was their thing. They sold weed on campus and they used all their money to buy their equipment, you know, and make it through film school. But nobody ever suspected them because they're just, you know, the cool white boy on campus, you know, taking pictures, doing videography, you know, so I I, kind of like that they went that aspect 
with having Fez be like the white boy drug dealer because what people don't realize a lot of white boys out here who really sell drugs who are really about that drug life you know but yeah. they don't get the trade you don't see them it's usually always the black guys who's the drug dealer and no it's a lot of white boys selling drugs too yeah, I know so many guys that literally, like, the whole, I guess, aesthetic that Fez has, that mm -hmm. literally match that. Like, he reminds me of so many people from, mm -hmm. I guess, when I was younger. So, it, it that is very common. But then I also remember dudes that would be wearing the little polo shirts with their collars popped up and Birkenstocks and all kind of shit like that. And they'd be riding around like your typical, like, preppy white boy that would be selling pills, selling weed, stuff like that. So it's very, very common, but it's just not portrayed like that in a lot of uh, shows and movies and stuff like that. Right. And that's one thing I do respect the fact that, you know, they do have him on there and he's just himself. I just enjoy him. I enjoy him on Twitter. He's funny, you know, and he really lucked up when he got that role. And, you know, for the most part, he's just playing himself. So I love that. And and Ashtray, the Ashtray character, it's like. I love him. Ooh, I love him. <laughs> Like he is, he's very protective of his big brother because that's literally mm -hmm. all he's, all he knows. He was abandoned. Yep. The grandmother, you know, I don't know. She had a stroke, but she's out of it now. She just lays in the bedroom. And so all he has is Fez and he's so protective of him. And that scene with Rue was just, that was a dope scene because it's like, and that was another thing that triggered me because I've had people steal my pills. So yeah. I felt Fez, that is like the biggest betrayal when you know that somebody has these pills because they need it to save their life because they need it for pain and shit like that. And then, you know, when you catch your friends in your medicine cabinet, that's like, like I've had to like wild out like that, like get the fuck out. You know what I'm saying? So like that yeah. took me back to a place in my twenties. Like I felt them like that. Nah, nah. Oh, let me just get three. Nah, it's just the point. You got to fucking go. And when yeah, he he's like, we ain't doing this. We ain't yeah. doing this shit. <laughs> right. And, you know, he was like, we're not doing this today. And when he flung her ass out like damn jazzy on the fresh place, <laughs> I always throw out jazz. That shit had me flying. And then it was really dope how then, you know, they, they film back and you see Ashtray. He's just watching all this. You know, he got his damn finger on the trigger. You know, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, let her try and come back in. I got a hot one for her ass, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that or he'll get that hammer out. <laughs> he is. He don't give a fuck about nobody or nothing. That episode where he got cowed, he's like, call the fucking cops. Die, old bitch. Mm -hmm. like he, he, but I will say for someone so young, he does actually have a really good judge of character. Like He can sense shit that like a lot of kids would not even pick up on, which I know that's probably mm -hmm. just the life that he's lived, but his uh, discernment is really, really good. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, the back to Rue and what she did there. Um, <clears throat> me looking at it from like the perspective of an addict that is probably one of the most shameful well with me personally because my mom mm -hmm. had chronic pain or has chronic pain so when I was younger and I was using I don't know how many times I get up in her pill bottle because she'd have so many I'm like oh she wouldn't even notice and stuff like that but every once in a blue moon I'd get caught and that is the most shameful feeling like that to me, like, you know, when you're an addict, a lot of time your feelings are numb and a lot mm -hmm. of shit doesn't bother you. That always, like, would mess with me really bad. It is such a shameful, embarrassing, like, gritty, lowest of the low feeling that mm -hmm. you experience. So I think that's another reason Rue lashed out like that. I was like, you know, you piece of shit and hit him and stuff like that. Not necessarily because she was depressing. angry at him. Yeah, she was angry at herself. 
Because the first time she was in there, you saw how she ran up out there. Like she literally, they mouse was in the living room and she didn't care. She had to run up out there because she knew how horrible that would be to take them. So I, I definitely mm -hmm. get both sides of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think they portrayed that really well because yeah. that's how you're going to react. You know, when somebody's stealing something It's one thing when it's money and shit that can be replaced. But when you're talking about pills, something that you have to take, that's different because it's like, that means you're willing to sacrifice my life for you to get high and you got right. up. And, yeah. and you know, that grandmother's who saved his life. So it's like, so you're trying to take my grandmother's pills that she needs to, you know what I'm saying, for her life? Nah, you got to go. Yeah, and, was, and she even was trying to reason, oh, she won't even notice. He's like, it's mm -hmm. the principle, and it is. It's it's a really grimy thing. So that also, to me, represents how low Rue was at. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So then she leaves that situation, and then we get to Lexi and Cassie's house. And it's uh, funny because a lot of people were noticing that it was funny how Maddie, um, Nate's ex, runs to Rue and hugs her. Like, hey, Rue, you know, hey, and and things like that. So people feel like maybe she has more of a connection with Rue because later on when um, – Lexi starts, at, not Lexi, but when Cassie starts asking Rue and start telling Rue, because remember the mom showed up and stuff. And she's like, you know, Rue will be okay. Just take, you know, go to rehab, take everything one day at a time. And I think in Rue's eyes, it almost looked like Cassie was judging her. Like yeah, the, and the hypocrisy. Right. Like you want to be a supportive friend. Oh, you want to act like your shit is clean. And that I should go to rehab? Okay, well, now we're going to talk about this. And when she says, let me ask you a question, Cassie. I wasn't expecting that to be the question. But when she says, how long have you been fucking Nate? Girl, I'm going <laughs> like the damn bed. When she said, I said, oh, hell no. Rue done spilled the tea. Yes, I, my jaw dropped. And part, so I, I don't I watched it a few times. Part of me was thinking, okay, maybe because Cassie and Lexi, Cassie does have a dad that dealt with heroin. You know, so mm -hmm. uh, she has and her mom's an alcoholic. So I do understand that she has been like predisposed to this. So part of me was wondering, maybe she was like being genuine. Like she was like, it's just taking it, you know, trying to because a lot of times people will say shit like that, especially mm -hmm. when you're in withdrawal. Everybody wants to give you advice. And you're like, bitch, I ain't trying to hear none of that. Don't tell me take it one day at a time. I'm fucking dying right now. So you're already mad. She should have just sat there and ate her food. But I think. She was being genuine, but mm -hmm. Rue probably did take it as her judging her. And then Rue already knew all her business. So, yeah, that shit, my jaw dropped. Yeah. And then let's not also forget, again, the deflection. So let me use her and throw her under the bus so I can right. get with my mom. Kind of like what she did with Fez. Because uh -huh. she felt so guilty about taking the grandmother's pills, I'm going to deflect and be angry and hit Fez and blame him. And I think she did the same thing. She just used Cassie as a way to justify her situation and get up out of there. So at, yeah. at that point, you can tell she's so far gone that nobody really matters to her. It's just all about Rue at that point. And child, Maddie was ready to kick her ass. Yeah, I, I felt like she was, yeah, me too. I felt like she was very justified. I know some people don't really like Maddie's character because I feel like she's a bitch or whatever. I like her character, but I, Cassie has been getting on my nerves Ever since this whole ordeal with her, she once she's crying too damn much. And these are all decisions that she's making. Like at the end of the day, 
if you were best friends with someone and they were fucking your man behind your back and smiling in your face and, you know, rubbing up on them in the hot tub and like any normal person would probably have popped off way worse than Maddie did. So I, I was here for Maddie getting her together all the way. She's lucky she didn't knock the shit out of her. Yeah, I just thought, too, that even when she was talking about the whole Nate situation, she's like, me and Nate have been been hooking up every Friday for the past three weeks. So it wasn't a one time thing. You're continuously hooking up with him, thinking that, you know, eventually he'll make you his main girl. No, he just wants some ass. You're yeah, and then that's fulfilling a void right now. Right. And he tried to quit talking to her. He's like, look, we got to quit talking. And she went running off and crying and, boot, you know, making a whole ordeal. And mm-hmm. it's like, girl, get- First of all, you're beautiful. You, like you said, you can have any guy that you want. What happened to the dude that you were literally just in love with? So right. it, it, I, it was all the crying for me. Like the every time, like she started crying, and Maddie's like, "What the? You're crying? You're crying right now? <laughs> that Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Have you lost your mind?" <laughs> Yeah, Maddie went off, you know, and I thought that was just a good response because you could tell she had been feeling like something is weird, but she couldn't put a finger on it, you know, but um, that whole part was just crazy. And then now we get back to Lori. So we're going to go into depth about Lori's character. Now, one thing that's uh, that's just tripping me out about Lori is her voice. And you can tell that's really how she talks. She has like this calm, deadpan voice. Like, hey, yeah, it's almost know? like she's messed up. Yeah, you know, and that voice is just very chilling after a while because it's like, what is Lori's angle? Yeah. Now, one of the things that made my ears perk up is when Rue went to her and she could tell Rue was fucking strung out her mind. You yeah. know, she's like listening to her and Rue's giving her the jewelry that she stole and the $2,000 worth of cash. And she just tells him the most calmest voice, Rue, you can't bring me jewelry. I'm not a pawn shop. You need to pay me back that money that I gave you. And Rue's like, I'm going to pay it back. She's like, you don't look like you're in the position to pay it back. But that's the good part about being a woman. Even if you don't have the money, you still have something that people want. Child, when I tell you, that sums up why a lot of women end up at risk when they get involved in the drug world. And while people were very uncomfortable and they're like, oh, she's trying to traffic Rue, this is reality. A lot of people yeah. end up selling ass, not because they want to, but because they, they're trying to get that monkey off their back. They're trying to get high. They're trying to get that fixed. And this is a very real part of when you get strung out like that, that eventually it can lead to prostitution and people pimping you out. Even oh, uh, Yeah, 100 percent, especially when like you saw how Rue was like, I'm in hell. Or she or uh, Lori was like, you're in hell right now. And she's like, yeah. And, you know, that that's also how a lot of people end up getting on heroin and stuff. They start on pain pills and they get so sick that they will do whatever just to make themselves not feel that way. So that's mm-hmm. how a lot of people end up getting into prostitution, because it's not because they want to or they're lazy or they just don't want to work. It's like I need money because I feel like death right now and I need mm-hmm. to not feel like this. It's not even about getting high. It's about I don't want to be sick. Right. And that's the thing, too. Like, I kind of felt like when I was watching that whole episode, it just gave me chills because I'm seeing, you know, in the camera where the parakeet is, you're seeing a guy walking upstairs. So I thought he was getting ready to come in the house because they kept showing that locked door. And so then she says, you know, Rue, you need to take a bath because obviously she's dirty, probably funky. You know, she's been running around and all that stuff. 
But when she pulled out that suitcase, child, and there was everything in the suitcase from damn pills to fentanyl to, you know, weed, but she goes for the morphine, that scent chills up my spine. Because I said, this woman is going for the morphine to give her a fix. Because one, anybody who takes morphine IV knows that's one, it's a quicker high. It's going to hit you quicker. Anything IV is quicker than popping a pill because the pill has to break down in your system. So that is one of the quickest ways to get somebody hooked on drugs. And morphine is one of the, you know, it's a very, very strong opiate. It's one step under Dilaudid, you know? So, and then the way she kept missing the vein, that was on purpose. Because you can tell, Lori even said at one point she was an athlete and she got hooked on drugs because she got hurt. And I liked hearing kind of her backstory, but that was on purpose. And I know that was on purpose as somebody who's been stuck with IVs 50 million times. When you're a fixer or somebody who deals with IV drugs, you know what veins to hit. And those yeah. veins in Zendaya's arms were very healthy veins, okay? Yeah, yeah, she you wasn't know, a normal... She she wasn't a normal junkie that banged. Right. So it Those wasn't like things. Right. right. So when she kept missing, that was to get her purposely like that's building anxiety and pain because you know IV needles hurt. So it's building oh, anxiety, yeah. it's building pain, and then it's building anticipation because she's ready for that drug to hit. And she's like, Oh, just stay still. You can't keep moving your arm. But she's not moving her arm. She's purposely poking her to fuck with her. So then eventually when she finally hits her with that drug, that's the that feeling is better than them orgasm. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, she's especially when you're sick all day going from house to house, friend to friend, sick. So it, it was almost like teasing her, fucking with her, fucking with her until she finally hit that spot. And then you see in the morning, her arm is completely bruised because that's what happens with IVs. Yeah. But the bruising was in so many multiple spots and it was so big that I felt like she was still probably, you know, injecting her heavy because it wears off after, you know, two to four hours, you know, right. it's not a long high. So it made me think you're putting her in the bath. Her arm is jacked up. Did she get molested and touched and abused while she was out of it? Well, you know, one part, once, which one thing with the Lori thing, I really liked how she broke down the science of how mm-hmm. you do with, you know, your, your brain and, how it how it affects your brain and how why you go through withdrawals but also when you know she was talking to Rue and she was kind of zoning in and out another part is she you know she was looking at that lamp but if you notice that lamp it zoomed into the door that had the lock on it and you could hear mm-hmm. like heavy breathing inside like almost like someone was in there fucking and it almost mm-hmm. sounded like movement and stuff and then you notice the next morning when Rue wakes up that's the room that she came out of Right. So I definitely 100% think that that, and she told her, she said, look, if you screw me over, I'm going to sell you to some really sick people. I always find a way to make my money back. And then Mm -hmm. Rue shows up, strung the fuck out. She doesn't, you know, like she realizes, okay, you don't, you don't look like you are going to be able to come up with this money, but it's okay. You have other things to sell. So she pretty much just held true to her word. So I definitely Mm -hmm. think that that guy coming up the stairs did some really nasty shit to her and i don't know if they're going to touch on it or not probably but i i definitely think some some bad stuff happened which this is very normal when when you're an addict when you're a full-blown addict like that that's Mm -hmm. very common people take advantage and even she said that um when she first met rude with fez 
I mean, she said it at the end of this episode or whatever, like during this episode, she says, when I met you, I thought we were going, you were going to be in my life for a long time. Because a lot of times when you're in the field of selling drugs, a lot of those people, you know, you have to have a, a sociopathic chip in you. Oh, sure. Because you can't have empathy for the people who are using your drugs that you know are slowly killing them. You, you just yeah. have to have that chip, right? And a lot of times they can spot weak people. It's no different than child predators who can spot the kids who are vulnerable, who don't have parents in their lives or who are just kind of wayward. And, and, you know, they know what kids to go at to groom. It's no different yeah. than the situation. She knew she, she saw a sucker in, in Rue from the time she walked in. Remember Fez brought her to that house. And we were saying, why would you even bring Rue who's addicted to damn pills and shit to your connect? Well, I don't and think that's in the car. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because I was kind of like, damn, Fez, why would you do that? But I guess he they they were supposed to sit in the car. Mm -hmm. She was never supposed to meet him. But I don't even know right. why he would take her to begin. You know, like maybe, hey, I'll pick you up later or whatever. That probably mm -hmm. wasn't the smartest idea on his part. But I think that um, from the beginning, like when she gave her that suitcase, I think she mm -hmm. already knew. She's not going to. I mean, I don't know, maybe. But. No, she, me, knew no, no. She, she knew, I think when she gave her, I think from the time they first met her, because remember when they were all in the house, they wanted everybody to strip down. There's a lot yeah. of nudity in the show too. The frontal nudity is just a damn trip. I have so, seen more dicks in the past two weeks than I think I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And the part that's disturbing is like most of the dicks that keep getting shown are like teenagers. They're, they're portraying teenagers. So it's like a lot of teenage peen. And then the one part when Drew was in the kitchen, when she was first trying to tell the lady her idea to get the $10,000 bag of like, you know, dope and stuff. Um, remember her husband walks into the kitchen and he's like fully nude. Yeah. He's and then you see Cal's dick. Yeah. And it's like, he's butt naked in front of what's supposed to be a 16 year old. So there's a lot yeah. of really, you know, subliminal stuff that you can take away from the show that they are trying to kind of normalize and sneak in. But I thought that was really weird that she was so comfortable with her husband walking around naked in front of a high schooler, you know, and he doesn't care. He just went to got, you know, got something to drink, went back in the damn room. Like it was nothing. <laughs> but, um, He's I crazy. Think, yeah. I think she saw Rue coming from a mile away. The guy who plays uh, her husband is a really good actor, though, I will say. So if he's going to be like a normal character on this show, I think it's definitely going to get even better because he's an amazing actor. He was oh, in Breaking okay. Bad. Oh, OK. I knew he looked familiar. Yeah. I he mean, got old. Whole, yeah. Yeah. He's definitely gotten older. I mean, the whole situation is just really crazy, like that, that whole dynamic. But Lori in that sweet sounding voice, you know, she may seem, you know, sweet and and like motherly, but you can tell she has a very sinister side and she does not play when it comes to her money, when it comes to her drugs. So I think, you know, if Rue's not going to be able to pay that back, they're definitely, it's going to, it's going to take an even darker turn because either you're going to pay it back some way, somehow she already hinted to her being a woman and, you know, you still have something to sell. And if she doesn't want to sell that, then at that point you're putting your life on the line, your mother's life, your sister's life, you know, they're going to come for their money. 
Yeah, and another thing I was really impressed with, um, because I, I didn't even notice the dude coming up the steps till you pointed that out. So I was like, let me go back. The details, like the little subtle details that they put mm-hmm. in this episode or just throughout the show that you don't notice till like later or you go back and you rewatch it. It is amazing. I was so impressed with just the the details in this episode. And like I said, the little subtle scenes that kind of all connect. Like it's very well written. Yeah, it definitely is. And I like, you know, the flashbacks. But yeah, I think one of the parts, at least in this episode, we weren't, you know, we didn't see any pain. So I was I was cool with that. But I know yeah. was crazy that ending with the father when he pulls out his pen and he's peeing on the floor and just walking around with it out in front of his two sons and his wife. Yeah, that and was an like, He's like, I F men. I F transsexuals. <laughs> I eat what I kill, and his pen is just swinging. I'm like, dude, are you okay? Like, what is this? He's a mess. And then he kept stepping in his piss because you kept hearing it. But how he was like, if I got a stripper with a shaved pussy, and I'm like, dude, you are off the chain right now. Man, it's just crazy to see, like, you know, what the parents' backstories are and, you know, how it's affected the kids. So yeah. I, I wonder if they're going to show more of like the different parents, like, um, you know, Cassie's mom, who's clearly a damn alcoholic. I would love Lou's to see mom, that. Who they hinted at, you know, at some point she got high. You know, I'd love to see their backstories too, you know. But yeah, overall, man, like episode five was crazy. Um, a lot of people are not expecting. I mean, it hit you within the first two minutes. You were, yes. like, you weren't, you know, you were hooked. You were not going to move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, me and Rejoice were like, you know, texting. I had one phone and then was watching it, and I was like, oh my god! Like, I didn't even know what to say. It was mm-hmm. so, it was so intense from the jump that it was almost hard to even like comment on it because it's like, what am I going to miss? Because things were just happening so fast, and it's like, it, okay, it's not going to get any worse. And it just steadily <laughs> throughout the episode got worse and worse and worse. Right. No, it did. So, yeah, this was a good episode and it was really good to have you come on here and, you know, talk about it um, because people are witnessing things that are happening to people in the real world. You know, this is yeah. not just a show. This has been some people's lives. And I know even like just going on different forums and seeing what people are talking about. I'm amazed at how many people are just admitting to their issues with addiction. And how they see themselves in rue and it's really waking them up like, wow, I used to really treat my friends and my family like trash because when you're in it, you don't know. So I think this has helped a lot of people to be able to reflect. It's also, you know, caused a lot of conversation, you know, to be had with parents and their kids. And it's, it's a lot of things that kids are going through. I don't think. They're not doing anything different, I would say, per se, than when we were younger. You know, people were having sex and doing all that stuff. It's just that now it's just different. It's just more of it. It's just casual. You know, people sold drugs when we were in high school. Oh, yeah. I think the difference back then was most of the people I knew smoked weed, right? So that was always the thing. But it wasn't cool to be a junkie. Like, where we were from, like, popping pills and snorting you kept that shit a fucking secret. Whereas now it's like, it's acceptable. Like even when they were at the fair and Cassie and Maddie went to, you know, Ashtray to go get those mollies, you know, while they're getting their fair food, they went and got the mollies and stuff. 
And it's like now it's just so much more acceptable. Whereas back then you kind of, you really hid your little drug issues. You were getting high, you yeah. weren't proud of it. And now it's almost like, I don't know, there's not really a lot of shame in it anymore. Yeah, when I, so uh, around the time that I kind of got into things, like it, it wasn't quite as frowned upon, but I, it could have just been the group of people I hung out with. But like shooting up and stuff, that was a big no-no. Like you don't do that. That's what junkies do. Um, but, uh, or that was, you know, in your mind, somehow you thought that you were better, even though you mm-hmm. weren't. But uh, as one thing that I've noticed, I, I see a lot of similarities to the show and when I was younger, except they, the phones, they have phones, the technology, like if you get drunk or messed up at a party and lose your virginity, that's one thing. But then to have someone record it and put it on the internet and your entire school see it, like that, that's a whole different type of anxiety that I I just, I couldn't imagine dealing with at such a young, I couldn't imagine something like that now as a grown adult, but especially when you're a teenager, that's a lot. And then it gets in depth so much with just like their childhoods and what really messed them up. And I'm like, Oh my God, I I need to go make sure, you know, talk to my kid be like, Hey, you know, he's six. I'm like, do you know what self-esteem it? Like it really, (laughs) (laughs) it's like like, sometimes you find yourself like freaking out. Like, let me go make sure. Cause my kids are watching this. Is there anything we need to talk about? Because I'm talking to my six year old. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you know, as a parent watching it, like even when she was like casually like having sex in the swimming pool in front of the whole school. Yeah, and, and they're all just recording it. The allegation. It's just like, child, these kids are a trip. It's really wild. And I think that I really um you know, I looked into the show a little bit more when the whole thing with Dare came out. I'm like, well, let me see if they really are glorifying this. And um, the more I watch the show, I guess I kind of appreciate it because it kind of helps you understand, I guess, maybe like the younger generation. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's doing such a great job representing a lot of people and, you know, with the addiction and how bad that can get. And then just like the betrayals and the... uh what's his name, you know, struggling with his sexuality and all the stuff that like a lot of people really go through and just kind of why they tick. Yeah. Like I can appreciate as much as it disturbs me, the fact that many of these characters are very self-aware, like even with Jules, Jules is like, yeah, I'm a whore. Like she's hooking it with like strange grown men and sleeping with them at hotel rooms. You know, yeah. and so many times people try to act like teenagers are not doing things like this, but some people are very comfortable in their wholeness, even at 16. Yeah. And then just like the dialect mm-hmm. that, that, mm-hmm. That, yeah, that they have, you know, like just talking, it's like they're, they're very, and I, I mean, I get it's a show and stuff like that, but I mean, a lot of them, even Nate, you know, can't nobody stand Nate, but he's very into when him and Cassie got into it, he told her about, he was spot on accurate. You know, mm-hmm. when he's like, look, this ain't about you being a good person. This is about you getting what you want. I mean, he's very intelligent. A lot of people, a lot of the, the characters in the show are, are not idiots. They're very self-aware, like you said. And just the conversations that they have amongst each other are, they're very, like, articulate and very deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there was some scenes in there that just, like, blew my mind. You know, even with the whole... 
Cassie McKay's situation first season when they were having sex. And it's like the whole time people have slut shamed her and, you know, talked about her because she sent out her nudes and stuff. And then when those guys, the football players, they came in there and, you know, just it really fucked him up mentally, you know, because they came in there, they pulled him off for her. They're both naked. She's screaming. He's screaming. It was just a mess. But these are things that really happen. And then in a way, he felt like shame that these guys saw him in the act. So then what does he do? He he like basically throws her on the bed and takes it out on her sexually, you know? So, yeah, it's just been a lot of just just really deep topics that it's like after every episode, you like literally sit there and just ponder what you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it'll have you. It's a hard show. Well, it's a good show to binge, but it's like after each episode, it's like, I need I need to think about this for a minute. Like, I need to break this down. And these are all teenagers. I'm like, hell, these people ain't even, you know, back with Game of Thrones, you know, it's medieval times and stuff like that. And it's a completely, you know, different time and universe. But this is like reality. Like this, you see yourself in these characters. Like I see myself in Rue because I used to struggle with addiction and, um, you know, just seeing you see so much of yourself in different characters that, you know, you tend to like, like I like Lexi or whatever. Cause you know, you see yourself in and a lot of her characteristics and things like that. And it, it does, it, it gets you thinking, even at, like I'm a, I'm wrong and I'm still doing mm-hmm. that. So I wonder how it's affecting, you know, younger kids. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, like the dare came out and said that they feel like euphoria is recklessly glorifying drug use and sex and things like that. And there's definitely parts we have to be honest where it is definitely being glorified. I mean, yeah. these kids get more head than a little bit. I said, well, damn, everybody's out here sucking dick and eating cooch. Like, get yeah. back, like slow down. Like that wasn't even a thing when we were younger. Like I remember, I was like, oh, you, so, you know what I mean? Like that was like, yeah. Taboo. And when we were in high school, you know what I'm saying? But it's like it's it's such a different generation now. Like nothing is off limits. People just randomly hook up, and you know you can hook up with any gender, and it's it's a trip. And so you can't tell me that there there is a glorification in there. You know? What oh I'm yeah. Saying? I mean, they even what they see. Right. And they even remember Kat at the beginning, like everybody was kind of shaming her, like, shut up, you virgin. And what's her mm-hmm. name? Like, you better get some dick in your life. And then all the dudes are like, oh, you, you know, like talking shit like, oh, you ain't ever done nothing. And she's like, yes, I have. I'm I'm a whore. And it's like, no, it's like they were almost shaming her for, you know, not having sex. And it's like, that that's not a bad thing. And then she starts fucking and going crazy. And, yeah, uh, and then became a webcam girl. Right. So and there's certain jewels that are being planted that I have to be honest with, especially being woke, that they're basically telling you that kids are not as childlike as you think. Because, again, you have a self-aware teenager who has now turned herself into a dominatrix and is getting paid to do fetishes on the Internet. Yeah, with grown men. Like she's with looking at a grown men. man's fucking micro penis and la- and then you know they're having like these <laughs> very coy conversations about like her life and stuff but at the end of the day like this is a grown man this is a girl in high school like this is so inappropriate so wrong on so many different levels and then when the whole only fans thing came through you know that blew the whole webcam girl stuff out of the water so mm-hmm. it, it kind of had me wondering like how many girls have these like accounts with where they're underage and then you know all these girls that their nudes get uploaded to these websites and stuff Mm -hmm. like, yeah, like that, that, that is child porn. That is very, very disturbing. But it shows you what a lot of kids in this generation are doing. So I don't even think 
they they're definitely glorifying certain things, but it's a reality. When you yeah, have OnlyFans became so popular in 2020, it was in songs. Beyonce talked about it. You know, this was a big thing. So you mean to tell me that everybody on OnlyFans is 18 and over? Okay. Yeah, and, how, and I don't even, right. And how do they even uh, verify people's ages and things like that? Like, I, I, mean, I don't know the logistics. Send, you can ask people to send in ID, but I could use my older sister's ID. That doesn't make right. me 21. You know, but again, it's just showing that at the end of the day, and some of these kids are so smart. Okay, I don't have to go through OnlyFans. I'm going to build my own website. You don't know that I'm 16. Right, exactly. A legal website and come and I have on a mask. Like this is things that kids are really doing in high school. So I think it's very interesting that they did touch on that aspect of it. Um, you know, even with like Maddie, how she lied to Nate and acted like she was a virgin, but anytime they go on a breakup, she's screwing other guys. You know, so it's just like all of them have their own issues, but a lot of them are very self-aware, but then they also come from like these different homes and these different dynamics. And it's just a very interesting show. I mean, uh, Sam, I think that's the name, Levinston, the producer, writer. I mean, he's definitely gone all out. And a lot of this is from his own life because he was a drug addict for years. Yeah, so, that that yeah. is super interesting. And um, mm -hmm. I know a lot of things that happen on the show are like, oh, my God, this is, you know, I, I know there's a fine line before. Be between awareness and glorification, I guess, or glorifying and awareness or whatever. But mm -hmm. I do appreciate a lot of these episodes where it does get into the nitty gritty of things. Cause like you said, it's showing people this is, this is real life. This is what's going on. Like, that's a really good point you made. Yeah. I mean, there are really, you know, 16 year olds out here on Tinder and hooking up with grown men in hotel rooms, getting money. Like we're, we're I mean, you can pretend like this world is a perfect world and everybody's just, you know, trying to do the right thing, but that's reality. And we've gotten to this point because of so many things that we've glorified in movies, in music and things like that. But what Jules is doing, she's not doing anything different than what some girls were doing in the nineties and the two thousands. Oh no. Yeah. It's nothing new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's 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 a lot of food for thought, but I just knew we we just had to come on here and talk about episode five, honey, because episode five had the whole internet shook. Okay. Yeah, yeah, me shook. <laughs> my brother, my brother doesn't even watch this show, and he called me. He's like, "This is all over TikTok. What's going on?" And I'm like, "You've got to watch this show. Like, it is so good." But anyway, that's how he was the one who told me about the dude. Uh, he was like, "You know, that's the dude from Breaking Bad." I was like, "Shut up," because he looks so different. But mm -hmm. anyway, it it is. It's I. It's very popular, I know, amongst people my age. So I can only imagine how popular it is. I don't have TikTok. I'm old, I guess. But anyway, um, a lot of younger kids. I know that they're going like crazy over the show. This is yeah, it's a very I know good my show. Son said, my youngest, he's in 10th grade. He said the whole school is watching it. Everybody. Okay, well, I, so, I can see that. Yeah, so I would say parents, talk to your kids and see if your kids are watching the show. Because I didn't know until I asked them. I was like, yeah, I'm watching this Euphoria show, and it's about kids your age. Are you watching the show? He was like, yeah, the whole school is watching this show. We're on season two. Okay, we need to talk. Because I don't yeah. know what to think about everything that you're watching. Yeah. Because right now, I'm, I'm tripping watching this stuff. You know, we have really good conversations, you know, about uh, Euphoria and the different episodes and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it for, like, kids under 16 
But yeah, of course you'll have the kids in junior high watching this, especially Denzaya was on the Disney Channel. So, and then you have uh, Gia Storm Reed plays her. She's on the Disney Channel. So you have a lot of this young audience who are following these girls. So they're going to want to watch these shows. So I just think that as parents, it's not necessarily about hiding the show from them, but there is a lot of sexual content, very graphic. So if your teen is watching it, you do need to have those conversations because as much as we talk about it, you know, after each episode and, you know, the things that we're thinking about, I can only imagine what the teenagers are talking about on Snapchat after each episode. Yeah, I have a friend who has a, a teenage daughter, and they actually watch the show together. And, like, mm-hmm. after the episodes, like, talk about what they witnessed and stuff like that. Like, I could see it maybe helping people, like, communicate and creating dialogue and things like that. I mean, like I said, after I watched it, now, granted, my six-year-old does not. <laughs> um, but uh, after I watched it, like, it, it, I don't know, I was, go- I was talking, to, hey, do you know what self-esteem is? Like, what, what's some good things about yourself? Because that's one thing I've noticed is a lot of these people, a lot of these characters in this show have really, really low self-esteem. And they, like, are very self-loathing and they hate themselves. So even just as a parent of someone young, like, it's like, oh, my God, it's, it's kind of scary. Because I'm like, is this what I have to look forward to? Like, this is horrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot, you know, but again, it's about keeping those doors open and those conversations open with your kids, you know, because it's not HBO Max's job to raise our kids. It's not Zendaya's job or Storm Reads or any of these characters. At the end of the day, you're the parent. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, That was another thing that kind of got on my nerves with the whole dare thing, which I mean, there's. You know, that, that, that's a whole other conversation. I have, like, a few issues with D.A.R.E. after I did a little bit more research. But, um, okay, whatever, this isn't the first show to glorify drugs. This isn't the first. I mean, gl- drugs have always been glorified, whether it's through TV shows, movies, music, whatever. I get mm-hmm. so annoyed when all these, like, corporations or just people want to come out and shame entertainment or entertainers. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what a show has going on. Like, when are people going to start putting the heat or the pressure or start holding parents accountable for, like, just talk to your kids. And I know it's so much, it's a lot deeper than that. But like you said, it's not HBO Max's job to raise your kids. No. And a lot of kids are, you know, fortunately or unfortunately watching the show. So on that note, this has been a really good conversation. Emily, I really appreciate you coming on here and having no this problem. dialogue with me. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. And next time we'll see who else's dick goes viral. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, T-Sippers, we will talk to you guys later. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure you join us again soon. For all the latest tea, make sure you follow me on my social media pages. Just put in L-O-V-E-L-Y-T-I on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.